0: A uh, quick note before this week's episode, it was recorded during the 2023
1: WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the film being discussed here would not exist. Thanks, Seriously, though,
0: how'd you get to be here? I mean, shopping at fancy ass stores, you're making bank, you have your own business. How'd you do it? Come on, tell me, woman to woman, being a pickpocket's fine and all, but I got real potential? I mean, how do I be like you? Well,
1: except for the crazy part, but other than that, number one, no one is like me. If you wanted to even come close, you would have to go to medical school, become a psychiatrist, work in an asylum, fall in love with your patient, break said patient out of said asylum, begin a life of crime jump into a vat of chemicals to prove yourself to a madman, get arrested by the batman. Go back to jail. Get out of jail with a bomb in your neck. Save the world, go back to jail and break out of jail before breaking up with the aforementioned madman and going out on your own. Number 2. 6 bucks for tap water with a fucking cucumber stick in it? Well, that's crazy. I'm not shopping at this store. I'm robbing the store. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, everybody. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. This is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings.
1: And uh, we got a, a magic five month, another five Monday month, baby. And so we are continuing our look at maligned movies within big summer blockbuster franchise things.
0: Yeah. And you know what's great is... That whenever there's five Mondays in a month, we're always very aware of that.
1: Yes. We plan it out in it. We look at calendars. Yeah. We scout it out. We what we don't do is think, well, months have four weeks. We're fine. If there's one thing I'm sure of, it's that every month has four Mondays in it. <laughs> yes. That's if there's one thing I know in my deep in my soul is that. Mondays only happen four times a month. Because I think the worst thing, and thank God this has never
0: happened, would be, say we had a month, we had a really good theme, we looked at it, maybe we were even so prepared that we were like, you know what, we're going to tie these to movies that are currently in the movie theater. We don't normally do that, but like this theme lends itself to, like we can kind of have a natural tie-in to these are... Our films that have a relationship to things that are either have just come out or are coming out now or whatever. And it would be very carefully planned and thought out. And then maybe we would feel so good about it. We would already be recording the following month because we're like, well, that month's done. just
1: Yeah, done and dusted, baby. (laughs) Done and done. In the can.
0: So then we record (laughs) the following month's first episode
1: (laughs) and then go, wait a second. And then just happened to glance at a calendar and say, hey, you know how mo- some month, most months, all months have four Mondays? Yeah. Not July 2023. Hypothetically, if that had happened. But what we did, yeah. as you can see from the movie that we chose this month, is that it's very carefully tied into uh, another chapter in this particular cinematic universe, series, whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this this honestly is like uh it's it works on multiple levels. That's how well thought out and prepared and ahead of time we thought of of doing Birds of prey is the film that we're doing. I don't think we've said that yet, but we we got a couple things happening here. One, you just had a flash movie come out, which is part of the DCEU, which is what this is part of. Also stars Margot Robbie, who's currently in Barbie. So like super topical, super thought out fits very well with the rest of the month obviously we knew about this all along
1: yeah 100 I mean it it's such a wonderful capstone to the month that there's no way we couldn't have planned it out more perfectly yeah
0: exactly we're we're like the opposite of Harley Quinn in this movie where everything that we do
1: is well thought out and planned and not reactionary yeah we are not flying by the seat of our pants hoping that someone <laughs> shoots a giant pile of cocaine near us and then we get energy to win a fight. Which has happened to me several times. If I had a nickel for every time that that had happened to me. <laughs> Which I, I'm, I'm starting to think, Andy, if we really look at our
0: lives, I think we're getting into too many fights around giant piles of cocaine. That's like <laughs> the one thing that I think we should both work on. Agree to disagree. <laughs> you want to fight about it in front of this pile
1: of cocaine? <laughs> yeah, let's, we're going to fight in front of this pile of cocaine. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Birds of Prey. So... A little bit of backstory um and well cards on the table we both really love this movie yes a lot yeah it's easily one
0: of my favorite movies that we've ever done on this show
1: <laughs> yeah I I'm I, I would say so as well um yeah. and I think this is this might jump to the top of the list of most unfairly maligned movies that we've watched for this podcast
0: yeah which I think we should, that's probably a good place to start is just to look at, I think, why it's maligned, because I definitely think that it is, but I think there's a few reasons for the perception that this movie has, which I, like you said, I think we both think is very unfair, but one, it is, well, I mean, to take a full step back, it's part of the DCEU, which I love DC Comics, I grew up reading DC Comics, I'm like the biggest Batman fan in the world. It's been a ro- rocky ride for the DCEU, I think it's fair to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, from the Snyderverse to all the other entrants, um, I think there's one movie that actually has decent reviews, and that's The Second Suicide Squad. Yeah, I mean, so,
0: yeah, this this film too, so that's the other part. It's sandwiched in between two suicide squads that both featured the same Harley Quinn character played by Margot Robbie. Interestingly, they're, they're both called suicide. One is suicide squad. The other is the suicide squad, but you can further differentiate them as the good one and the bad one. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I, but I think that's a thing that, that kind of happened too is so the original David Ayers suicide squad came out, which was the first time that we got to see Uh, Margot Robbie, play Harley Quinn, which everything else about that movie aside is about the most perfect casting you could do for this character.
1: No, I think I'm sort of amazed that we haven't done that Suicide Squad movie yet. We will. Um, Inevitably, we will. But if you want the really short version, Margot Robbie is the silver lining of that movie.
0: Yep. Yeah, she is. And, uh, This movie clearly realized that, and I think went to set that right and to give her her own
1: standalone film. Which I, I think it's before we continue, the full title of this movie is Birds of Prey, the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn.
0: Yes. Although I think technically, technically, that was the theatrical release title. And when this movie did not do as well as they had hoped, Uh, at the box office, I think it is now officially shortened to just Birds of Prey. Although if you watch the movie, it still says the full title. Yeah. But I think canonically, Max, who is a fan of taking pre-existing names and shortening them, I think that's predominantly been their business model thus far.
1: Yeah. That's why, uh, you know, there's the uh, Lord of the Rings prequels, The Hob. Yeah. The Hob. (laughs) Who doesn't
0: love The Hob? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Love the Hob. <laughs> when you can see it, they're pre- they're preemptively doing it. They they recently made a film that was the Flashpoint Paradox, just called it the Flash,
1: just just truncating that. And uh, then there's the you know the 1960s classic caper flick. It's a Mad World. <laughs> yeah, that one's not as short as some of the other ones, but it is short. And because it, 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 the you know the original release title was "It's a Mad, 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 Mad World." Yeah, it's just a mad world now. Not nearly yeah. really as mad. But speaking of mad worlds, Harley Quinn. <laughs> look, at, look at that segue, folks. That's the type of laser focus you get on SLP. So I, I, but yeah, I think a
0: couple of notes that are important is so one people did not enjoy. I think it's safe to say the first Suicide Squad film, the David Ayers one, and right. It didn't do well. And I think that baggage clearly carried over into this film. And I think by the time this came out, there was a general mistrust of the quality of DCEU films. And I think people had a kind of standoffish approach. And then the other big thing that I think is important to note when contextualizing this film is it came out in March of 2020. And I know that... Because for a long time, I held on to this as the last film I saw in movie theaters for
1: something like two years. <laughs> oh man, yeah, <clears throat> I I remember I remember that as well. Uh, it was a uh, what a time! So I think what that is time. important to
0: note is that this came out. Uh, hopefully if you're listening to this in the future and you're like, what date is that? That was, uh, when the world fell apart for multiple years. Yeah. And everyone stopped famously going to places,
1: particularly movie theaters. But good thing they've started going back. Oh yeah. Because it's over baby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this was i had to have been the last movie i saw in theaters for a very long time uh the next the second the first movie i saw when things came back fast 9 i think that is true for me as
0: well if i remember correctly that that feels like my return <laughs> to cinemas <laughs> uh but yeah so there was a long gap there yeah there was there's was a, there a little <clears throat> a little little space so i i think all of those things factor in and then Probably the most unfair thing to this movie, and I I think there's a lot of reasons that you could look at why it happened, is I don't think this film got the benefit of the doubt coming off of the David Ayer film. And then when James Gunn, who kind of had this proven history of making the Guardians films, came to DC, which is its own fascinating story, uh, I think people did give him the benefit of the doubt. So I think a lot of people didn't watch this or overlooked this and then went and watched The Suicide Squad, which to be clear, I love that movie. It's very good.
1: Yeah. And but here's the thing, though. It definitely speaks to how good casting and how good Margot Robbie is at playing this character that she was a part of both. So she's like the one real through line with both of the Suicide Squad movies. Right. Yeah. Rick Flag is Rick Flagg is the other, but. Yeah, I'm trying to think. And I think those are Amanda true, Waller. Yeah. The, well, you gotta have the wall. I mean, the wall you puts the together wall. Need the wall. Suicide Squad. Um, so yeah, and Captain Boomerang is in both, but he's part of the initial like slaughtering of the yes. second one. So yes, he's, he's in does, it for he's, very. He's barely a cameo.
0: But uh, it's it's safe to and say it's the that best
1: Jake Courtney movie <laughs> by a, by a mile. <laughs> he's not a good actor. Uh, um, but
0: yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, like, the Suicide Squad in the comics is... Harley Quinn has long been a
1: uh, a featured and prominent member. A Cornerstone member yeah. since her debut. Well, because the Suicide Squad, when did that start as a comic? Did that start post-Harley Quinn, or...? I think
0: so. I, I know it's newer, but, yeah, I don't know the exact... Yeah, I know that Harley I mean, Quinn debuted in 92 on Batman the Animated Series, but I don't but know... It,
1: I think it took, like, it was, like, 99 when she first appeared in the comics. Or was yeah, it was a it was pretty a big while. gap.
0: Yeah, uh, although, she's although,
1: fun fact, I mean, this is not fun, but
0: this is nerdy, but I get to say it. I actually do have the first time Harley Quinn appeared in a comic, which was in like 92 or 93, because they did a tie in to uh, the Batman, the animated series, which was called the Batman Adventures. And she appeared in that comic. And I have that. And it's probably the only comic book I own that's actually worth money because I happened to hold on to it from when I was a kid. And miraculously, it's not in bad shape. Nice. Although, I mean, I say that, but like I, I was a nerd that put my comics that I liked in protective cases, even as a kid.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I have plenty of Mylar bags full of, of comics. So, yeah. I, <laughs> sitting, I do in, actually... sitting in the attic at my parents' house. But yeah, so that
0: was technically the first appearance of hers, but the, before she showed up in the,
1: like, sort of proper... Because that was non-canonical. In, that was not, yeah, it was not canon. It was... A lot of... Because I remember those comics as well. A lot of them were just comic stripped out episodes of the show. Uh, ish, and a lot yeah, there's yeah. a lot of original stories, too. But. Yeah, it was kind of a mix. But yeah, it, it was... I mean... I
0: liked it because it had the same animation style as the show, but, uh, yeah, I don't know that it was a
1: great comic series <laughs> overall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Marvel did the same thing with, cause there was an X-Men comic book that was like the TV show X-Men that was completely separate, but that was almost all just drawn just comic books of the episodes. And weirdly, most of the
0: comics uh, issues just involve Wolverine lying in bed, staring at a picture frame.
1: That was like 90% of
0: them. Every third panel. Yeah. (laughs) Which, look, Ryan Reynolds, if you're listening and we know that you are, you got to put Hugh Jackman in a bed looking at a picture frame in the new Deadpool film. Of Famke Janssen. Yeah. And it has to be a picture of Famke Janssen. You know who I'm saying. Famka
1: yeah. Johnson. <laughs> but yeah, well, it would be funnier if like he just had pictures of all of the actresses that it's like he's like one hand is Famka Jansen, the other hand is Sophie Turner, and he just keeps looking back and forth.
0: <laughs> or I mean, what I feel like they're they're going to do, and you can put this down as an official prediction, is it'll be a photo of Ryan Reynolds that he's looking at.
1: That that might that might be the thing. Mm-hmm either Deadpool
0: or actor Ryan Reynolds who is a character in the Deadpool films
1: I think it's I think it'll be actor Ryan Reynolds yeah which would be funnier I think yeah, yeah. that's that's the funnier joke Um. anyways Harley Quinn Birds uh, of Prey
0: alright so I, I don't know where you want to go with this because well, uh, like I said so right. that, that, those are I think the external reasons why there's a negative perception
1: around this film there's there's one other one well, yeah, sexism. Yes, yeah, that's the other one, right? Yeah, um, which we talked I about think- the chronological reasons that this movie has some bad blood associated with it, uh, but the other one is it. It's 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 sexism, for yes. lack of a better word.
0: Yeah, and I think that applies in a, a variety of ways because one, I think, while there are other reasons that James Gunn, I think people trusted him. I think the fact is people did not trust Kathy Ann and did not give her a benefit of the doubt on this film. And two, I mean, there is unfortunately in comic book movies, like in Star Wars movies, like in video games, like in so many facets of our society, a group of, of men that when films are about women or, you know, feature a prominently female cast like this, that they'll just reactionary like you know firebomb the reviews they'll tank it they'll hate it before they see it they'll complain they'll they'll be very angry that a movie like this exists like its existence will infuriate them yeah how dare you get girls in my ghostbusters (laughs) which again is you know i mean all of these characters exist in the comics and have you know good histories in the comics and it's have had great stories. And particularly Gail Simone has done really great things with all of these characters, like with the birds of prey with Harley Quinn, all of that. And there's fantastic stories, but yeah, there, there are people that they just want Zack Snyder to make movies with men in them.
1: Dude, it is one of the things that I'll, I don't think I'll ever understand is the absolute passion of Zack Snyder's fans. Which is weird because you can go back and listen. We, we've we done a lot of the Snyder we've films. We've done a lot of, almost all the Snyderverse movies. And
0: the conclusion that we came to is that Zack Snyder seems like a lovely human being. And, and great, great person. Genuinely good dude. And his films, I mean, they're their own thing, but they're a mixed bag that is at least usually
1: worth like they're not boring i think i'll say no (laughs) i've never been bored watching mm, i was pretty bored watching man of steel i hate that movie man of steel's yeah not great but i I, that's that would that is close to a bottom fiver for me for the movies we've done for this podcast yeah Uh, we've watched some real stinkers but i dislike that movie intensely it's still no Caddyshack 2, which I
0: would have loved to see the Snyder cut of Caddyshack oh, 2.
1: Release the Snyder cut of <laughs> Caddyshack 2, please. It's please. golf swings
0: that take 25 minutes to complete.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Um. Anyways. Uh, but yeah, like this movie had a built-in number of people, at least from like a fan point of view, we're gonna review Bomb it. Just the fact that it was a female lead, a mostly female supporting cast as far as like the other heroes, a female director. Yeah, like there are people that were going to hate this movie sight unseen. Yep. And probably reviewed it sight unseen. I'm sure. Um, And, you know, screw those people. Those people are not people we like to associate with. No, we will decry them for being the bigoted idiots that they are. I don't like them sight unseen. Yeah. And I don't want to see them. Yeah, I don't. Not I, I don't want to see them at all. No, I, I'd, I'd rather they didn't exist much like they would rather these movies not exist. Yep. Um, but no, it's it, it's really obvious that uh, sexism played a role in why this movie isn't. Well reviewed, but I mean, even the critical reception was lukewarm at best from people who are exempt a little bit from that sort of. not fully exempt but exempt from that sort of blatant bigotry
0: well that's why i I tried to yeah i'm really glad you brought this up because i think it's a very important point but it's i i do think there's a lot of other factors as well that uh you know i i I think i mean comic book movies don't tend to get great critical responses anyway and i think particularly people with the dc films (laughs) Uh, that aren't the Dark Knight. Um, I think people have been generally uh, skeptical and difficult on them. And, you know, I understand why.
1: I mean, because especially with the DCEU movies, I've genuinely enjoyed three. Ooh, what are they? So let's see if you can guess. Okay, well this. That's one.
0: The Suicide Squad. That's two. And the
1: first shazam uh wonder woman is the other one. Oh, right, right right yeah uh the first shazam is fine aquaman is fine yeah um so yeah there's three that i enjoyed i think three that are fine and then the rest i actively dislike and i haven't seen the flash but i would put the flash which i have seen in the it's fine category
0: nice yeah i kind of figured as much I, and um look for that if i had to guess
1: in january of 2024 <laughs> <laughs> um oh shazam fury of the gods was fine i yeah. put that also is fine yeah the shazam movies yeah they're all right but yeah they're no, know you're right wonder woman is the other i would agree with those three those i, I think those three. three are the three that are actually um although i will say about wonder woman um when i've tried to watch it again i haven't enjoyed it as much yeah, I think it's the uh the ending where
0: she fights an old British man is a weird choice.
1: Yes. <laughs> David <laughs> Thewlis, I mean I, and I get with what they were doing, and I really like David Thewlis as an actor. I think he is very talented. Um just no menace whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or not not the menace they were hoping to get. Like he's he can play a very different type of menacing character to good effect, but not a the type of menace they were Yeah, not not the Ares, the god of war.
0: Yeah, it, he needed to morph into something, you know, Dwayne the Rock Johnson.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Edge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who is playing the god of war in the new Percy Jackson series? Stay that's tuned awesome. for next month. Yeah, He's
0: or if you, if you can't wait that long, you can go listen to our Money Plane episode. Yeah, because which we is love also Edge. which is also in one of my top of that's in the top at least twenty of films that we've done. It's money plane.
1: That's a weird way to pronounce favorite, but okay. <laughs> money plane is the best movie we'll ever watch for this podcast, and I don't want to hear anything otherwise. You might be right. Yeah. All it's, right. it's 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 got the grumble. Emmanuel Grouch, the grumble. Isn't he the rumble? Oh, it is the rumble. It's not yeah. the grumble. It is yeah. the rumble, which is even dumber. Yeah, it's less connected Somehow. to <laughs> Yeah. All right, so uh, <laughs> laser focused as always. No, um, but so I think we'd be remiss in our duties because this isn't a perfect film. Birds of Prey, the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn uh, is not a perfect film. So I think we should talk about maybe some of the ways to malign this that have merit. It's attachment to Jared Leto. I think yes. that has merit <laughs> that it reminds us of Jared Leto's existence <laughs> is a major reason that this should be maligned. And there's not really um, anything it could do about it. And I think it tried as hard as possible to by clearly drawing Cesar Romero as the Joker for the animated sequences. I did love that. <laughs> <laughs> um And uh not including the actual Joker at all. They're all great choices. I thought we were maligning this movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know what? It is great. But no, I, I do think it's the fact that it
0: has to be connected to both Jared Leto's Joker and just the Harley Quinn design for, you know, all the tattoo, the face tattoos and everything from the previous Suicide Squad.
1: Yeah. um, I've never let me I was going to make a statement and I want to I want to qualify it first. I've never seen anyone not of Maori descent with a face tattoo where I've been like, yeah, that's a good look. That's that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, no, it's like, no, there have been some Maori people that are like just super badass looking with their facial tattoos. Um, well, and those are well thought cultural out and, and well cultural thought out and, and significant
0: and not uh, post Malone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not okay. a juggalo. All right. I don't know. Was there other things
1: that you wanted to bring up? Um, I think I want to put this in the liminal space. The next thing I want to say. So, if there's anything else you want to malign, no, I love this movie. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, no. So I think I think this helps to explain. I think why it maybe didn't get the best reviews, but this is really one of the more ambitious. superhero movies in the recent era of superhero movies which is what i think i love about it though because it was really hitting me i've always liked this movie but
0: rewatching it again i think it ages even better because i think the more superhero movies that we get the more i appreciate any of them that are ambitious
1: yeah like you want to talk about safe plays uh there is nothing safer than a superhero movie right now. Um that they're we're probably getting close to the point of full-on audience fatigue of them. But
0: I definitely think I would never count Marvel out, but they they seem on the ropes at the moment. Yeah, they,
1: they are they are grasping at straws yeah. <laughs> at this moment. Uh but the trailers for the Marvels look great. So I'm they excited do. for that one. The, it does. I'm, look I'm really excited fun. for that movie uh a lot. Um but but yeah, like this movie, it takes some big swings in that there is one scene in the entire movie where someone actually uses superpowers. Uh, and that's uh, Black Canary played by Journey Smollett. Um, is the like sort of the only scene where someone actually uses any sort of superpowers. And I do love the idea and it hasn't been done effectively yet. Of some of, like, the collateral damage of living in a, a superhero world and some of, like, the street-level stuff, like, Spider-Man has dabbled a little bit, like, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, is that the first one? Um, Homecoming, Homecoming.
0: is the first one, yeah.
1: Homecoming is the first one. That one is, like, the most street-level of the MCU movies, I feel like, on pretty much any level. Um, But I, th- I think I also, I mean, this
0: film takes place in the batman universe all these characters came out of batman comics batman. so i mean batman is the most street level of superhero he doesn't have powers most of his villains well maybe not even most but a lot of his villains don't have powers so like i think it's more typical of batman to have the surrounding cast also not have but powers but even still
1: like there isn't like no one's using like fancy gadgets which i would say count as much as powers as anything in the Batman universe. Um, and, like, that was a big swing. Uh, there's no giant, least, at the there's no giant sky beam at the end. There's no giant sky beam at the end. There's, And even the army of anonymous goons is actually played by humans and not CGI. Well, and I think one of the other things that I, I really do love
0: about this movie and I miss and I wish that more people would get back to is, I think, with Marvel, and I understand the reasons for it, is because you constantly have to be going bigger and and crazier but to you you kind of mentioned again that like homecoming kind of stands out but in general most Marvel movies tend to be about a threat to all of humanity that, some level of existential threat yes and you know it's funny because you go back and you watch like the 1989 Batman and it's you know the Joker is gonna kill the people gathered at a centennial. <laughs> you know, event in Gotham. Like, that's, you know, it's, it's a much smaller scale deal. But, I, so I think I appreciated that the actual stakes of this movie are just, there's a diamond that people want. And also, a lot of people are angry at Harley Quinn.
1: Because she wasn't the best of people. Well, Justifiably and I, angry. And I think she's very clear about that. Well, and I think that, well, okay, are we... Can we pivot or are we still in the liminal space? Um, I mean, I think I think we've, all, for all intents and purposes, pivoted. So, yeah. let's say we're full on silver lining this delightful film. Because I, I do want to say that the...
0: I really do, to your point about it being ambitious, I think the structure is ambitious. But I think what I love about this movie is how it, I think, successfully captures what it's like to have a film starring and narrated by Harley Quinn, that there's animated sequences, that there's a bit of an unreliable narrator and sort of a distracted narrator. I like that quality that she tells things out of order or has to go back and be like, wait, hold on. And that so much of the plot is she's a character who doesn't think anything through and is reactionary. So everything she does is just in that exact moment and everything that happens in the film comes out of, you know, it's like if you give a mouse a cookie, this happens, so then this happens, so then this happens. And it's all, essentially, it's a movie about Harley Quinn breaks up with the Joker, gets drunk, is hungover, wants to eat an
1: egg sandwich. Right. Um <laughs> uh, Now, this movie, um one of... A, a trope in general that I tend to dislike in movies is the unreliable narrator just because I think that there's something about like the visual image and then you find out that all the things you just watched were fake and you're just like, what? it feels cheating. It feels cheating. Yeah. that's not the case in this movie. Uh, I think because you establish that Harley Quinn is very in the moment and does not think through the consequences of her actions. Uh, goes through and does all these things. And it's like, oh, wait, I forgot about this. And oh, wait, I forgot about that. Uh, and one of the points that uh, is sort of a fan theory is that one of the better sequences in the movie is when she raids the police station to get Cassandra Kane, who we heard in the opening clip. And she fires essentially confetti balls at all of the cops. And the fan theory is that she was just straight up murdering them. And that's how she's choosing to remember it so she can sleep at night.
0: Yeah, which I and think the is... A, is
1: just gushing blood.
0: <laughs> which I think is a fun fan theory that it's like, you know, I, I don't know that I buy it, but I like it. Like, I get why people... Uh, yeah,
1: I'm not saying it, it should be canon, but like, if that was Kathy Ann's intent, that wouldn't surprise me either. <laughs>
0: yeah. But no, I, I think it's fun because, yeah, I, it's not unreliable in like the traditional sense that we think of it where she's... I don't get the sense that she's ever lying to us. It's just... That because she's so stream of consciousness and so in the moment that she's having trouble telling us a linear story and getting us all the
1: information that we need when we need it. Right. Uh, Yeah. And like even. Like just the fact that the essentially one of the opening shots of the movie is her saying, I'm going to start at the beginning and then it shows an animated sperm going into an egg. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) it's great. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, And then, you know, she does a quick history of like her actual uh, upbringing and everything. And who knows how true that is and uh, et cetera, et cetera.
0: And again, it's, it's, it's an animated sequence, which to your point, I think helps because it's not a visual image, like a live action image. So it's easier to accept that she might be exaggerating. And also it's like. I feel there's a truth in there, but she's saying that her dad traded her for a pack of cigarettes. Like, you know, obviously that's, you know, not literal, I wouldn't think. But it's sort of her impression of what happened to her, her version of this story.
1: Yeah. And um, yeah, and then it goes through and I don't know, I feel like, you know, we've been talking for a good while and we could talk about how great Margot Robbie is and how great Harley Quinn is as a character. But I feel like we should talk about the supporting cast in this movie.
0: Yeah, because those are givens, I think. People people yeah. know how great Margot Robbie is and people know how great Harley Quinn is. She's Both of them have had meteoric rises to success since their debuts. Uh, <laughs> the
1: face that launched a thousand Halloween costumes.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, um, that's why people can't see it. But Andy right now is wearing a Daddy's Little Monster t-shirt for this recording. I mean,
1: (laughs) it's every recording, so it's not special, but (laughs) it just happens to fit this time. It timed out this time. Yeah. Uh, And Joel is wearing the tiniest
0: Daisy Dukes. Again, unrelated to this recording, it's just very hot in L.A.
1: right now. (laughs) Yeah. What are you going to do? I don't know. I want to start with Rosie Perez. Yeah, let's start with Rosie Perez. Dude, Rosie Perez rules. She is awesome. I love her and she's great in this. She has been value added to every movie I have ever
0: seen her in my entire life. And I love Rosie Perez so much. And I was so excited to see her in this because it's a great use of her.
1: Uh, A movie that we will never do for this podcast. White men can't jump. The Jeopardy sequence is one of the best bits of comedy ever put on screen. Yeah, I also I
0: I love that movie. I love that movie. So much. And maybe we'll get to talk about it more when we inevitably have to talk about the remake of White Man Can't Jump, which I have not seen. (laughs)
1: No, neither have I. Um, But (laughs) two words that I think summarize how awesome she is in that movie, Mausuvius.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Which is my, look, because we're never going to get to talk about that movie, I will say as both a huge fan of that movie and a huge fan of the television show Jeopardy, which I have watched for a long time now. Those judges would never accept that answer.
1: <laughs> never once. <laughs> Least realistic part of White Man. That can't entire Junk. movie. Yeah. Um No. Uh <laughs> But no, she she is like she plays uh is it Renee Montoya? Is that the character? Yes. Uh and there's a big controversy with casting Rosie Perez, who is a middle aged woman. Uh, you know, and those can't work in Hollywood. Well, and she is older than the character. And she's is is older than the character in the comic is, is, yeah. Yeah, is normally portrayed as someone who's younger. But, man, does she just, like, when she quits the force in, like, the ending montage. She smacks the papers. just <laughs> smacks the papers, throws up the middle finger, and walks out, and it's just, like, she also no got,
0: notes. It's, it's worth noting, too, that she, this character, her portrayal of this character, is the first uh, gay character in any Marvel or DC film. Like, just yeah. that she it's made very clear. They tell you that Ali Wong's character is her ex-girlfriend, and the character in the comics has always been uh, gay. But, like, that it is explicit, that it's, like, you know... There's no ambiguity whatsoever. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, I know this is a visual joke and not particular to her, but I do think it also is funny because of the way that she's playing the scene is... When she gets the trash thrown at her and she has to go to the property closet to put on any clothing that she can, and Rosie Perez is wearing a, I shaved my balls for this t shirt, <laughs> <laughs> while having a serious meeting with her boss, who we're told is, was passed over. Like, she was passed over for a promotion that he got. And the fact that that meeting ends with him being like, there's a dress code here. Like, just. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All of that is amazing. <laughs> it's all good. Um, And Rosie Perez is a phenomenal actress, uh, but man, she plays drunk so convincingly in this movie. She really does. Like, it's a very subtle, but
0: very believable. And it's funny because in a weird bit of just, I don't know, symmetry in Hollywood, uh, she would go on to also play... A character that drinks like this in the flight attendant with Kelly Cuoco, who voices Harley voices Quinn Harley <laughs> Quinn in the also phenomenal animated show. Uh, but yeah, it's just it like I saw those two things with Rosie Perez back to back, and uh, yeah, she equally great. Again, she's great in everything I've seen her in. Now yeah, she's yeah.
1: she's so awesome. Uh, we talked a little bit about Journey Smollett. She's good. She is really good, and I I know that that was. They said that they're
0: like, who knows now? I mean, there's been a lot of regime changes and, you know, now James Gunn is in charge of the creative. But I know at one point they were developing a standalone uh, film for uh, her character, which I don't know if that's still happening or not. Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah, who knows? Uh, My favorite moment involving her is when they're sort of debriefing the night's events at the Mexican restaurant. And they're sort of giving everybody their kudos. And they just mention, like, it's like how impressed they are, her able to kick with those tight pants on. <laughs> which she, is like, yeah. <laughs> which that makes me think of two things that I do want to say, too. Is
0: that one. I think my favorite scene with her in it is the one, speaking of people playing drunk, where uh, Margot Robbie is playing like completely blackout drunk. Obliterated drunk. And she's collapsed in the alley while Journey Smollett has to reluctantly fight. Like she's decided that she can't leave her in peril, even though she does not like her and she has to go save her. And her reward is that Harley is just a mess. Well, she is roundhouse kicking everyone and it's – that's a great scene. It's great, yeah. It's also, again, in the like if you give a mouse a cookie thing of the whole movie that that is what uh, Black Mask sees that Roman is like standing in his window and that he sees her doing that and decides to have her be his driver, which he only needs a driver because –
1: Margot Robbie broke the legs of his other driver. Which
0: again, like I said, I, it's, the dominoes in this movie are are very well thought out. Like, I, I like how everything just causes a chain reaction. But yeah, she's fantastic. I will say, like, both of them are great and I love both of them. I, the person in this movie that should immediately be given her own standalone film is is Mary Elizabeth Winstead playing Huntress because... Ah, so good. She's so good. I think she has the least screen time of any of them in this film, and she... This movie demands that she gets a spinoff, I feel like. Yeah,
1: like, I I was almost going to... Like, you could almost malign this movie for how little attention is paid to Huntress, um, who Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays her as, like, this awkward, maybe a little bit on the spectrum, like... (laughs) Well, it's it's perfectly vigilante
0: superhero. Yeah, I feel like it's very well realized and it makes sense. I mean, the the backstory of the character is that she watched her whole family die when she was a kid and then she's devoted her entire life to becoming an assassin. So it's and it makes perfect sense. She'd have no clue how to talk to people. That's what I mean. It's like she's so great at being an assassin, but so awkward in every like human conversation to the point that nobody even knows her character name because she kills them before. <laughs> to, like, she's too good of an assassin and too awkward a talker to get her name out there, which is a very funny bit. Yeah.
1: Um, and I just love that everyone's like, Huntress, good name. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because they keep calling so her well-known. the crossbow killer. <laughs> uh,
0: I do. Ewan McGregor is making choices in this film that are so funny to me and so great. And I. I think that he might be probably my favorite, but definitely I think the most memorable villain in the DCEU of just, he's so petulant and so just ridiculous. And I love every choice that he makes that don't even have anything to do with being a villain. There's a scene Where uh, Journey Smollett, where Canary, like, has to show up because she's going to be his driver. And he's just explaining the art to her in his office. And he's so smarmy and so douchey and, like, is clearly just has stolen all of this art. And just, you know, like, because he's rich and he's just bought it and has disdain for it. And the, you know, the cultures that he got it from and just wants it because he can have it.
1: Yeah, just the description that I've seen for, I mean, a little bit of how Roman cyana slash Black Mask is in the comics, but very much how Ewan McGregor plays him in the movie is uh, if Bruce Wayne never became Batman, this might have been who he ended up.
0: Yeah, because that, that is the interesting thing is that the character has always been meant to be kind of a dark shadow of bruce wayne that he's the villain version of a super rich guy that puts on a mask but yeah he's not in the comics normally this just smarmy he's normally like scarier but yeah it, it's a very fantastic choice i think and, and the way that he plays him and just
1: well I don't and know. it's 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 just this subtle sociopathy that like uh in the scene where he's having uh, Mr. Zaz deface a, a bunch of his enemies and he decides to save the, the wife. Yeah. Yeah. And and then changes his mind because she blows a snot bubble in her bu- blubbering to ask for forgiveness.
0: Yes. Well, and again, just his utter petulance of, you know, wh- wh- why wh- there's a crossbow killer. Why don't I know about the crossbow killer? Why don't I why doesn't the crossbow killer work for me? You know, I want the right. crossbow killer. Like, just it's very. I want an Oompa Loompa, Daddy. Like he's he has that like, energy.
1: I want a goose that lays gold eggs for Easter. <laughs> yes, I want a crossbow killer, Daddy. <laughs> no, it's, he... I love him. Like I love no, the it's... character. It's it's one of my favorite Ewan McGregor performances.
0: It I think. really is. I also found a truly fast I went down a whole rabbit hole because I read something and then I was like trying to make sense of it. And I actually found Kathy Ann clarifying. But essentially there was a slightly different ending that they just ended up ADRing it to change. But I guess the original revelation was that the diamond that everyone is trying to get instead of containing these like bank account codes actually had, I guess, information leading to or pictures of or something. It was a statue of David, but with his face that he had had made. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess that that just didn't test well. And she even talked about it where she was like, yeah, I mean like once we showed it to audiences, we all agreed that it the joke wasn't really working. So we just did ADR to change it to, Just be money, but like, I just find that very funny. That there was, I guess, a version of this where what he actually had done was he commissioned a marble statue of himself to look like David, which I kind of love and wish I do love.
1: I I mean, I think ultimately for the movie, it's a better choice of what they went with, but yeah,
0: I think it probably takes momentum away from the ending to just you know, you want. Again, they they need the money to set up the Birds of Prey operation. You're trying to get out of there. I get why it's streamlined, but I think that is a kill your darlings where it's like that that is a good joke and they should all be happy with that joke.
1: (laughs) Um. And the soundtrack slaps for this movie.
0: I man, I remember when I saw this that I played this soundtrack for months like afterwards. Again, because we were all going insane and we were inside and had nothing to do, but also because it is that good. It's yeah,
1: it's a fantastic. Now I, now I have th- this indelible image of my head and uh of you in the booty shorts that you're wearing just cranking uh woman by Kesha. <laughs> I mean, it's not inaccurate. <laughs> no., <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I so many good songs. the I do love the cover of uh, Black Betty that's in here with the with, in the aforementioned cocaine scene. like, yeah, all the music's good. Also just kind of tied to that as a general blanket note. and I, I think it's something where because all these films in the DC EU were all tied to Snyder. That a lot of them kind of have the Snyder look of oversaturated, however he does it. And this, I think, was the first film to really break away in a significant way where it's just doing its own thing. But it's I love the color palette in this movie. I love how vibrant everything looks. Also, every outfit that Harley Quinn wears is iconic and great. The Elton John jacket at the end, I think, might be my favorite. But everything she wears is so good yeah uh so I'll, yeah for oh go uh, ahead I was just gonna say to before I lose this thought too I don't know if it's a like was done on purpose as an easter egg or not but this and I Tanya, are both films where she roller skates while or she skates <laughs> while uh Barracuda plays it's a fun fact I
1: mean if that's not a note to end this on I don't know what else is go see this movie folks if you haven't watch it are we ending I want to keep talking about know. it I- <laughs> I don't know. I I have a
0: hundred more thoughts (laughs) because we haven't even talked about the fact that there's a fantastic Easter egg in this movie. If you haven't seen it where, so the, um, the character of Harley Quinn was created by Paul Dini uh, and Bruce Timm did the art work, obviously for Batman, the animated series. He based it on Arlene Sorkin, who was a friend of his who acted in days of our lives because when he was writing the show, she was on Days of Our Lives and she was dressed like a court jester for a scene. That scene is on the television in Renee Montoya's uh, apartment when she gets the text from Black Canary. And that my friends is how you do an Easter egg, which I just like, I do. I know you're trying to get out of here and we will wrap it up, but I, I just, I think that that's another important thing to mention is the people who made this love this character and this world, and there's so many little details like that, and like little things. I mean, the the hyenas. I know they wanted two hyenas, but apparently that was too expensive. But like the hyena, the the beaver, the just like there's a lot of little touches and references to things from the comics. That no,
1: and and this was made with like people that loved and cared about the comics. You cannot say that about every comic book movie for sure. No, and
0: it's it's good. It's if you never watched it which i understand why you didn't watch it i again we don't do this very often watch this movie go watch watch this this movie
1: movie. and like for the second time this year after temple of doom watch this movie (laughs) those
0: are the two you don't need to watch anything else we've talked about except this and temple of doom but that'd be a hell of a double feature oh good double feature (laughs) and uh you know just in case you guys are wondering this is it's still july
1: it's still july Silver Linings Playback is a production of hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. This is Philip And Katie. And Bridget. And we're three friends who like movies.
0: Especially movies of yore when we were small and everything seemed awesome.
1: Now we're revisiting these bright, shining beacons of our youth and figuring out if they are for real.
0: So sit back and relax and revisit the best,
1: the worst, and everything in between from the 80s and 90s. And find out is, is it for real? real?